0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now.
1: Coming up in this edition of TV Black Box, the TV industry pays tribute to a true legend after the tragic news of his death. Why Carly Minogue feels duped after appearing in the Neighbours finale. And Doctor Who star Janet Fielding, well, she'll be our special guest. You might remember she played the iconic Tegan Javanka. Welcome to the podcast where people in the industry get their news. This is TV Black Box.
2: Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds.
0: This is
3: TV Black Box, bringing you the inside goss from the TV industry.
1: Hello there, I'm Rob McKnight. Thanks for your company. Joining us tonight, as always, TV presenter David Robinson. Hello, Robbo.
3: Hello there, Rob. Great to be with you.
1: Great to have you here. TV Black Box producer Abby Mickelson. Hello, Abby.
2: Hello, Rob. And I just want to acknowledge that I am recording on the land of the Gadigal people tonight and want to pay my respects to them.
1: And he is known as the viewers' advocate, and that's for very good reason. It's none other than Steve Mulkey.
4: Hello, Hello, Rob. I am coming to you from the land of the dark and jung mob, and I want to acknowledge the elders, past and present. And I am a handful. Mm, that's what I've indeed heard.
1: Indeed, you are. <laughs> uh, and let's get into the news stories of the week. And we begin with some really sad news. Brian Walsh has died. He was the executive director of drama and senior content consultant at Foxtel, but his career spanned decades. He passed away, aged sixty-eight. So many celebrities owe their careers to Brian, but I'll let Foxtel CEO Patrick Delaney tell the story. He was on 2GB with Ben Fordham on Friday morning, the morning the news
0: broke. It is always very, very sad and uh, in some way shocking. You don't expect people to pass away, but they do. And Brian was a, a very close friend of mine, a mentor to me, but to many, and quite a legend in the TV and radio business. To You know, to start as a kid, Two but then the glory days of the 10 Network uh, series like Vietnam, which launched Nicole Kidman's uh, career, and I know he's still very close with Nicole, and uh, Hugh Jackman, he launched, uh, gave, gave Hugh, um, you know, breaks early on, and of course he famously moved neighbours from 7 to 10, shipping in a truck uh, to move a house <laughs> literally out of the Channel 7 gates, And that launched Kylie and and Jason Donovan and Guy Pearce's careers. And uh, he was also involved with uh, the NRL, famously, you know, with John Quayle and Simply the Best and Tina Turner. And he had this international PR side to him where he handled Michael Jackson, Mariah Carey, uh, Neil Diamond.
1: Walsh was a key player in the launch of Foxtel in 1995, had a role in every major decision made by the company. Beverly McGarvey, Executive Vice President, Paramount Australia and New Zealand said, the network's close association with Brian goes back almost to the very start of Neighbours. Brian was instrumental in the now very famous series relaunch on 10. It was Brian's commitment to the show that saw it build from poor early ratings to become the juggernaut we all know and love. There is, and in our opinion, will never be a greater TV brain or a greater advocate for local drama or local content. Robbo, they are certainly words that I will agree to. Do you remember the Channel 10 50th anniversary? Channel 10 did not put on a party. Brian Walsh was at Foxtel, but he threw a party for all the staff, hired out a pub and through a special 50th anniversary party for all on the him. 10 staff. It was amazing.
3: Uh, Well, he's one of those executives that we probably won't see again. Uh, Mm. Brian Walsh is synonymous with uh, Australian television, both uh, in pay TV and also free-to-wear. This guy loved television, and and I think that's what's missing from a a lot of what we've got nowadays. Brian Walsh was just, uh, you know, an amazing man who loved the the medium, did so much across so many places. And just the fact that we lost him so quickly, that's the problem. That, you know, we, he never got that big party at the end where, you know, stars and executives came across it when he finally, you know, announced his retirement. We never got that. And that's kind of what's sad about this. He deserved a big party. He deserved a big uh, a big farewell. Uh, we're poorer for it. And I think we'll find the whole industry is poorer for it.
4: Yeah. I, I, and I echo and reflect that, Robbo. I, I think that the challenge is for Brian is that we all know he was never going to retire. He was just going to work until (laughs) he passed. uh, And whichever was the last premiere that he attended was going to be his unofficial party. And the wake that will be had for him will be phenomenal. This is a man who so deftly shaped the Australian entertainment industry. You are right. We will not see anyone like Brian, in part because he is a man from the old school that saw the Australian entertainment industry grow, and he spent a lot of his effort helping shape that as well as then particularly his passion for scripted drama in the TV industry, he was integral in getting things like uh, Love Me and uh, Colin from Accounts, just as two recent commissions from Foxtel, up and running and, and absolutely p- backed the creators to make that be a thing. Um, Brian completely reasonably is considered a giant of the industry and that's uh, realised not just in, you know, of course, the comment from Patrick and, and the quote from Bev. Everybody, like everybody, David Anderson, head of the ABC, everybody rolled out a quote about the loss the industry will feel with Brian's passing.
3: You know who's having a wine right now? One of his biggest fans. Uh, He's having a wine with John Coleman. Mm. The amount of times that John Coleman would talk about Brian Walsh in the Studio 10 office, he loved him. So I think it's a nice little idea to think they're both now having a little red up there in the TV heaven.
1: Mm. Yeah, indeed. And look, it's interesting I didn't know Brian and I won't pretend that I did I met him once at that Channel 10 party and uh he was not actually wanting to admit that he paid for that party he was actually yeah. very very um uh subtle about it wasn't making a big song and dance about it uh he was an interesting guy and just judging by the social media reaction to people within the industry he certainly is a figure that will be missed i knew him by reputation really only and he was a giant of the game and one of the people he helped was Kylie Minogue and now she says she feels duped into returning to neighbours for the fake farewell well that's according to a source who spoke to the mail on Sunday according to the report the source said and I quote Kylie has apparently got a bit of a hump about it all it's a case of why did she and others make the effort to go back she and the others were told it was the end Now, this comes amid growing speculation the show was never cancelled and talks were already underway with Amazon Prime Video about keeping the show going before the finale episode aired in July 2022. Well, I've been sniffing around on this. It is pretty obvious, from what I now know, Neighbours was never actually cancelled. We first saw about it in the last year of TV where Mitch put it as a hypothesis Mm-hmm. And it was something I had never
4: thought. Very about. entertaining hypothesis too it was oh, from Mitch McTagan. It was
1: it was brilliant. And but he's right. Mm. It's not a theory. it is how it was. Neighbors was never cancelled. We know they've done this to get rid of onerous contract contracts, renegotiate at lower rates, use cheaper production. Um do you think it matters? Or do you think it was all good PR that made people realise how much they missed the show? Well,
4: I'm going to say it's more A than B. Um, it just makes the whole situation feel real duplicitous, doesn't it? And that's yeah. that's not a good feeling to have if you were a Neighbours fan or even just a fan of Aussie television. Um, I, I I, I don't. I don't know how much we can lean into the veracity of the Kylie story. Though I can completely understand that that might actually be, you know, the feeling from within the Minogue camp. Um, I think what we can, what we will quickly see, is how fast the audience either jumps on board Prime Video's archive of Neighbours and whether they are starting to consume that um, as more and more of it becomes available, and particularly when the new episodes return. Will, if, if that doesn't do the business that 10 anchors ostensibly, 10 are going to be putting it on the primary channel somewhere, blah, blah, blah. We don't know the end story and that. We'll have to see what happens. But if that doesn't draw in viewers, then it, we're not going to see another 7,000 year run from Neighbours. It'll be a season or two and it's cooked.
2: I think the story in the Daily Mail, Guy Pierce was also mentioned, and I believe actually mm-hmm. directly quoted in that. I... Take his criticism a little better. Mm. If the Kylie comments are true, and it was hearsay essentially, but if it is true, I do think she can relax a little bit. She basically went (laughs) on as a mime, didn't say anything. I'm sure she was paid for her appearance. She wasn't donating her time. Oh, no,
4: no. She had two lines, Abby. I oh, mean, so let's be sorry. fair. She had to rehearse a lot. That's
2: true. It took up I a lot of her time. I don't know why we're
1: blaming her for that. I are They made a lot of assumptions. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. If it's, if it's true, if it's true, she was
4: willing to commit. I was being a smart Alec Roberts, okay?
1: No, Biden. no, I understand. But she's copped a lot of heat over that, and I don't think it was her choice only to have two lines. Oh, I don't. Um,
2: I don't criticize that. I I criticize it if she's then complaining that it was a waste of her time
1: because. She's saying if the show wasn't cancelled, let's take the quote that it Mm -hmm. was true. At face value, sure. Yeah. She's saying, quite rightly, I would have always come back for the end of Neighbours. Mm. But if this was a false ending, it was a waste of time. Mm. I I think that's fair.
2: I don't. If she had done it for free, don't it? Maybe. But I'm sure she was paid plenty for it. I don't really have sympathy for that. I, I I reckon
1: she did do it for free or she got paid scale.
3: I don't know. I, I think it's the same thing as when Melissa George had a big go about the fact that she started on Home and Away. These people owe these shows. You don't, I don't care how big they get. One day their star will fade, uh, and I think it's important that they always remember where they came yeah. from. There's nothing wrong with, with, with traveling back to Australia. She comes back to Melbourne all the time. Mm. We know that she doesn't do shows. She comes back to Melbourne all it's the your time. Family. If you can't put but aside not a away day or neighbors. so, but, but then who cares?
1: I but, think but it's hang great. On. you you guys seem to be having a go over go go at her for turning her back on neighbors she didn't do that robbo she came back when she thought the show was ending and if that was a lie if that was pr spin and and contracts and all that kind of stuff she was brought into that show under false pretenses
3: i've got a really simple response to that welcome to showbiz (laughs) <laughs> you, you, you do not get excited about things in showbiz unless you're strapped into the plane, seatbelt on, and you're taking off. It, that's just what showbiz is. You get told one thing, you get told another thing, you get promised one thing, the promise gets taken away. That's just
4: showbiz. Kylie doesn't need Neighbours. To your credit, I understand your position and I totally get it. I'm totally there. You know, that, that if if the if it was all being sold as this is the last bit of Neighbours, those that were roped in on that premise should, be, should feel right that they are ripped off in that in that absolute context, I totally get it, and and to the same end, I would say the audience should feel the same thing because they were sold up the river on the idea that this is the final neighbours and and so yeah. on and so forth. Um, what are they? Sorry, Robbo?
3: What do they lose? If someone said they were making Thirty Rock again, I wouldn't care that they had a feeling. Mate, trust me, not many people mm. on this podcast ago. are going to
4: care if they're making Thirty Rock again. Yes. Oh, <laughs> no, um, no. No. But if you're
3: getting it, if you're going to get a show that you love and it's coming back, yeah, just, yeah. losing out here. And, and, who, and I, to I to also get your, out who's sorry. losing out. So they're getting paid. Um, yep. the audience is getting their show back. Who the mm. hell is losing out uh, here? Yeah, who's and, the and loser?
4: Pragmatically, Robo, you are correct. The challenge is that the longevity of Neighbours, the fact that it is a generational Australian drama, meant that so many people held a very special place in their heart for it before we even get to the multitude of talent that went behind and in front of the camera on it. So there's all of that, that's this emotional attachment that's drawn shot. into it that leaves us shot. in this position where, hang on, you actually weren't leaving, what's the big deal? Which I think is where we've landed, Rob, that it's this whole kind of back and forth, oh, no, we're shutting down neighbors. We're bringing it back in 2023. You know that that's the whole that's the whole debacle in this and I can I can get that the talent that were brought in on that context should feel ripped off.
1: Hmm. Jason Derulo will be the new judge
4: on The Voice Australia. I'm sorry to interrupt you there, Rob. I do need to say that it's not actually Jason Derulo. It's (laughs) Jason Derulo. (laughs) You know, I almost did that. I almost went, Jason Derulo. Derulo. The new judge on The Voice Australia, stepping
1: into the spot left vacant by Keith Urban. His last hit in Australia was way back in 2020 but he says he will be doing whatever it takes to beat Rita Ora, Guy Sebastian, and Jessica Malboy. Ooh. Derulo 33 has global sales of more than $200 million. Abby,
2: a good replacement for our Keith? Uh, I wouldn't be completely convinced off the bat. I w- like. I really enjoy the voice in its blind auditions. I tend to drop off after that, but so I will still watch the blind auditions round. My thing with Jason Derulo is... I don't think he fits into that dynamic. So all of the other ones Mm. and Keith worked really well together because they all come across very like down to earth and very warm and things like that. Jason Derulo doesn't from what I've seen of him. He just doesn't. It was same with when he came to the Arias. I want to say like 2011. It was a long time ago. Um, and he just didn't he didn't fit in with it he didn't fit in with the australian attitude with the australian humor he just didn't oh. he he kind of had that like arrogant american celebrity vibe instead and i just don't think that works with the other judges that are mm-hmm. on the voice
3: He's maybe been out of the game, though, for a couple of years. I was so about I think to
1: say, maybe he will be a bit more humble well, because actually, I was looking through his history and after a string of hits, he fell off a cliff. He had one <laughs> hit in 2020 yeah. back on the cliff. Did he it? became Jason yeah. Derulo! It, is, yeah. it actually did make me laugh, you all <laughs>
2: singing that in the intro, because at that ROR Awards, there were a group of, I think, 30 of us who had, like, won tickets to go to the red carpet and things like that, and we were told to all sing it when he came down the red carpet, and so we did death stares. Like, not even a smile, <laughs> nothing. Seriously? Yeah. yeah.
0: Well That's played from whichever PR yeah. organized
4: that. It yeah. well yeah. went <laughs> down yeah. like
2: a lead balloon.
4: <laughs> they obviously hated his guts. Because yeah. he can't get angry at the fans, man. He can mm. get pissed off That's at the right. PRs. Mm. Wow. Well, that'll be fun. Mulk. how do you think it's
1: going to go with The Voice mm. this year? Oh. Australian Idol has not fired, mm. much to my surprise. Is How's it going to go, having multiple talent quests on yes. the one network in the
4: same year. I'm going to stick my neck out Rob and say not well. Uh I think that the it hasn't been a failure the lack of success for Australian Idol um is absolutely signaling that Australia largely is if the format needs a rest like the talent like questy dating
1: shows.
4: Yeah, the talent questy kind of vibe along with dating shows needs to take a break and I think that scheduling the voice this year after Idol hasn't gone so well. Seven would be well advised to maybe go, actually, we're resting it. They're not going to do that. Did
1: Idol just suffer from tough competition in MAFS? Yes. What, by all accounts, having not seen it, was an amazing series of Survivor.
4: Yes. Yes to all of that. Absolutely. MAFS has just been unstoppable. It hasn't lost a night that it's been in that slot and many of the nights it's come in it's the number one program. Mm. Um and Australian Survivor is tapered perfectly. There's only, including we're recording tonight, there's only three episodes left of it. And it's building. The audience is getting bigger. Yeah. To the point where it might not challenge but come close to to MAFs. Uh whereas oh, poor old Idol well, whereas poor old Idol has actually taken the move where they're cutting two episodes out of it with the big move this weekend that they've gone everybody's up for grabs and three are gonna go tonight next week's the finale whereas it was meant to finish in another week's time so either they're stretching out farmer wants a special cuddle um, which i believe is what's following it or you know, I'd watch it if it was called that, <laughs> yeah, mate. We're, the, we're about truth in advertising here at TV Black Box. Yeah, yeah uh, of with Sam Armitage as the host. Um, I, I, look, I don't know what they're going to do to fill that extra week's void. I'm sure they'll have a couple of episodes of "Hey, Hey, Bullshit" they can squeeze in. <laughs> that we'll, we'll pat it out. Uh, the 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 issue for Idol is that if it wasn't for maths, it's actually done pretty damn well. However, it's been up against tough competition in both, and that's meant that it's just got this funk about it and that's something that you can't change from an audience perspective
3: Mm. and I I, I think that if you edited the episodes and the promos and everything and just made it black from the stage back and just had the performances, and just had the the background stories. You couldn't tell the difference between the shows, and that's the problem mm. as well. Oh, so if you edited out Robert. the logos, no, no but that's what I meant. You don't yeah. have, you can't see anything from the from the stage backwards. So you you lose the logos, you lose lose the judges. They look the same. So if one's we haven't blue, bit now, red, mate. Yeah, as I put yeah, out a few that's weeks that's ago. Right. But if we haven't bit on one, we're not going to bite on the <laughs> other. Like it's just. <laughs> mm. It's just not working. So the fact that they're gonna, I would rethink that big time. Well, they've rested, because they're the same shows. They're they've the same rested shows. AGT
4: for exactly this reason, right? Well, yep. and and have a look at it. For seven to have AGT and The Voice and Oz Idol in its stable, mate, you are leaning real heavy on a very thin pool of talent. Correct.
1: Mm. All right, coming up, what TV shows went downhill in their final season? A new list has offered some surprising results. Doctor Who star Janet Fielding, well, she will be our special guest. You'll remember, she played the iconic Tegan Javanka. And we'll find out what everyone's been watching in the TV Binge Box.
3: Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear and T-shirts are super soft.
1: For Doctor Who fans, the first question is always, who's your favourite Doctor? The second, which is your favourite TARDIS team? Well, for me, that question is easy. Tegan and the fifth Doctor, well, they were my team. Whether she was travelling with Adric Nyssa or Turlow, Janet Fielding's Tegan was the perfect companion to the Doctor. And I'm thrilled to say, Janet Fielding is coming to Australia for a series of shows around the country, thanks to the Sirens of Audio podcast. And she joins me now. Hello, Janet Fielding. Hello, Rob. Obviously, I've just mentioned you were one of my favorite companions of all time. You must get that a lot.
5: Uh yeah. Which is <laughs> <quite nice. laughs> Yeah, no, it's good. It's lovely. I'm surprised how many people, you know, sort of remember it so clearly. Yeah.
1: Oh, we grew up with it. And especially here in Australia, uh, the ABC showed Doctor Who constantly. Constantly. And so when we played the original series, we got lots of repeats. But how life-changing was Doctor Who for you?
5: Oh, enormously. I mean, the thing is it's 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 itself, you know, it threads itself throughout your life somehow. When I, I was an agent for a while, I, I took over an established uh, agency called Marina Martin Associates, now yep. called Gordon and French. And like one of my the first things I did was an interview, you know, get Paul McGann an interview for um, for Doctor Who for America, <laughs> with the American, and and I can remember one of our younger clients coming in and, to meet me, you know, because I'm meeting all the actors, and and uh, he's sort of sitting there and, and and looking at me a bit strangely. <laughs> but what what's going on here? And he went. Deacon, Tegan, Tegan. <laughs> it's deacon. And then of course, you know, Peter, Sarah, and Mark and, and Matthew Ryan, right? we've now been friends for like 40 odd years. And is it a friendship? I mean, Was it that kind of show? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, Peter and I take the Mickey out of each other all the time. All the time. So we do a lot of these big Finnish audio dramas mm. and um so we're always working together, and that's uh, that's lovely. And then you do the fan conventions and, you know, and you meet up and you have a good time and, you know, it's great. It's good. We're
1: talking almost, what is it, 40 years since you originally left, let alone when you started.
5: I left in 1983. I mean, on screen it was 1984, but mm. I, I stopped making in October 83. But to yeah. think
1: that you are still getting work, from that show, that doesn't happen yeah, with any other show. <laughs> Do
5: you know what I mean? I moved on from acting. You know, I went. Mm. To, I, 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 um, I was one of the people who started Women in Film and Television in this country and in in the UK, and I ran it for the first four years, and then I was an agent for a while, and then I I crossed over. Well, really, I moved back into the third sector, into the not for profit sector. Yeah. Uh, Um, and I've been running a youth arts charity uh, for the last 12 years.
1: When you were growing up in Brisbane, did you ever watch Doctor Who on the ABC? Oh, yeah,
5: of
1: course. So who was your doctor?
5: Who was my doctor? Really, Pat Troughton. Yep. He's the one I remember most clearly. I mean, I do remember William Hartnell, but not as clearly.
0: Mm -hmm. It's
5: really Pat Troughton, and I love Pat Troughton, and I loved him when I met him, you know. Um, well, that, very- I mean, you
1: got to do that with The Five Doctors, of course, which was the 20th anniversary program. And, yeah. you know, I, I always think about the actors that are part of the show at the time when an event like that is happening because you're doing your normal series and then there's this huge event with a lot around it. You've got John Nathan Turner trying to wring every bit of publicity out of it. And what, <laughs> was, the, <laughs> what was it like was on... He was great at that. Um, what was yeah. being on set filming The Five Doctors like when you're meeting Pat and John Pertwee? And maybe you got to hang around with the waxwork Tom Baker. I don't know. But <laughs> well,
5: no, because I'd already worked with Tom. Of I course. did my first story. With him, of obviously. course.
1: Which I watched last yeah. night. I watched Legolas oh, last goodness. night, rabbits and all that kind of stuff. Uh, fabulous opening. Yeah. But anyway, Five Doctors first. Tell me about that.
5: Well, that was really quite exciting, you know, obviously, and 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 bizarre, you know. You do have to keep pinching yourself. Am I really doing this <laughs> <laughs> on the other side of the world? Because I'd, I'd been in England, what, three or four years at that point. So I haven't been here, you know, a huge amount of time. And it was kind of biz- bizarre. It was just Yeah, just weird. Well, it must
1: have been because you, you know, you you went to the University of Queensland and Uh you actually have a connection with an iconic Australian moment and that's Graeme Kennedy's crow call. And what people may not know, and if I've got my facts right here, you were working for the censorship board when that
5: happened, weren't you? The Australian Broadcasting Control Board. What? I had a call scholarship, but it was means tested, so I never got any allowance. So I ended up doing... And the civil service in those days, I don't know if it still does, used to give you five hours study leave a week. So I joined the civil service, and I was a censor. And he was doing a crow call. <laughs> ah, <laughs> ah. You know, Graham Kennedy, you know, he was... <laughs> was always pushing the boundaries anyway I duly reported
1: it so what was that yeah. like when that because uh Adelaide if I remember correctly pulled the feed now I've been trying to find the crow call because I wanted to play it to you cannot find it online anywhere.
5: Okay. No. well it went out live because
1: I was watching it live <laughs> so was that your job you would actually have to watch well, one I of the channels yeah I was watching television for a living Amazing. Yeah. So, how did you end up yeah. in an audition for Doctor Who?
5: Oh, what you know, you you meet somebody, you fall in love, you know, blah 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 blah. Blah <laughs> uh, yeah. blah blah. blah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel and, like there's uh, a story there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. there However, let's move swiftly on um, and. Uh, and then I sort of, I don't
1: know. I've got Doctor Who. Amazingly, yeah. and one of the favourite things. I mean, I think every Doctor Who fan knows this. That when you auditioned, they said, "Oh, you're a bit small to be an air steward." And the the law goes, and please confirm. You as quick as a flash. What did you say? I said, "Well, uh,
5: as I'm five foot two, minimum height requirement for an air stewardess in Australia." Of course, I said. For the um, for the eastern airlines, the Asian airlines like Singapore, it, it's 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 slightly shorter because the women tend to be smaller. <laughs> and John knew I was lying. Oh, did That's he? The other thing. <laughs> yes, but he would he have checked. loved that. <laughs> he absolutely loved it. You know, I had no idea. You know? oh, d- uh, generally d- speaking, I'm quite a truthful person, but but. You know, it doesn't
1: count in auditions. You just say whatever part. Uh, No, no one will begrudge you that. And it got you you. on the show, which we are thankful for. I mentioned I watched Logopolis last night. I just wanted to go back and see that story. And it is a, I reckon it's one of the best character introductions the show has had. Think about it. Yeah, I really do. I really do, because Tegan is set up on her own adventure. She's having, you know, some great banter with her auntie Vanessa. And, you know, we're getting to know this character. We're not sure why. And and then you know the paths cross, and it isn't it isn't a case of oh, oh wow look at this man I want to follow him around the galaxy. She's her own woman trying to get to her destination. She stumbles into another situation, and is taken off on this adventure. And she's forthright. She's strong. She's not afraid to give it to the doctor. I think we see she's really independent at the beginning. She'll change the tire herself. Yeah, I really do think it's one of the best introductions of a character on Doctor Who.
5: I liked her a lot. I must admit, I do like the. I did like the character. They gave me. I, I, I really loved her. <laughs> um, she's sort of bossy, and as you said, forthright. But the, you know, the, the lovely thing is, you know, it's that classic drama thing of, of you know, be careful what you wish for. <laughs>
0: And because of course
5: what she wants to do is travel. Mm. <laughs> she certainly does travel. Um, how
1: did you uh, find it with the over exaggerated uh, Australianisms? You know, I've never heard anyone say rabbits, of course, you know, when she's frustrated. Did you Oh well that's because you can't swear. Yeah, of course. Um did you did you did you just go, I I don't care, it's a job, it's fun, uh was it an issue?
5: No, it wasn't a, a particularly an issue. Uh, I used to, I'd go home to Australia and people would go, the accent's too much. It's too <laughs> Meanwhile, the BBC is saying to me, the accent's not strong enough. <laughs> it's a good problem to have. So I thought, well, if everybody's unhappy, I must be doing something wrong.
1: <laughs> <right." laughs> um so you, you, you're in a show, you, you seem to be bonding behind the scenes, as you said, you and Peter, great chemistry. I mean, it was a beautiful relationship between the doctor and a companion, you know, a, a, a mutual respect. Um, you know, Tegan went from just wanting to get out of there to accepting she likes traveling with the doctor. And you decided to leave, though. What was the thinking behind that?
5: The companions never really do longer than three years.
1: Was that the so role? I think,
5: yeah, pretty much. Because what happens is the character knows too much. So yes. partly, you know, you've got a role to play in, in the story that involves exposition. Yes. So if you start to know too much, then you can't be the audience surrogate, as it were. mm your role is to be that surrogate for the audience. And um and so I think they become problematic. So
1: would you have liked What's, to have stayed longer?
5: No. No, I thought I'd done it. Yeah. And what was when I knew Peter was leaving. Sorry, um, what was that? I knew Peter was leaving, and yeah. I didn't really fancy getting, you know another doctor
1: yeah you know i done two. Mm. <laughs> two as you feel um i've got to ask you we mentioned john nathan turner what was he like to work with because he's a legendary figure as far as producers go i
5: mean john was yeah as you know quite a character um he was uh he, his partner Gary was uh, was Australian. Well, he actually he was South African originally, but he grew up in Sydney. Yeah. Um, and John was he was very generous. He was very generous towards me personally. Um, he was. Sorry, in what way? Well, when I left my husband, whom he referred to as the vile Nick. <laughs> well, yeah. I wasn't terribly good at choosing men. Right. That would be an understatement. Um, it, it, he, you know, he let me his car. Uh, you, you, you know, he was just very generous towards me. Above he and beyond the boss.
1: Hmm? He went above and beyond the role of a boss. He looked after you. Yeah,
5: yeah. And when we when we used to do the, um, the, fan, the big fan conventions in Chicago in the 80s, John and uh, there was always a cabaret and John and I used to do a duet together, you know, where we were rude to each other. Fabulous. And, uh, and, and and vaguely antagonistic, but I used to, I would, um, you know, he could be quite, well, he was bossy, you know, very bossy. um, But you have to be. But you have to be exactly. And, um, you know, didn't stop me from being, you know, arguing with him from time to time.
1: <laughs> Sounds like Megan uh, and the Doctor, quite frankly.
5: Yeah, it is a bit. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but he really was, um, he was the youngest producer, I think, at the BBC mm. in drum, mm. the youngest person ever to be appointed. So he was. He was very smart, um, not academically smart, street smart. You know, he got the facts that the fan thing was very important, which I don't, and he really engaged with it and he really encouraged it, which hadn't been a thing really with BBC producers. You know, he had quite a commercial Mm. mind. Yes, very much so, which which is very
1: very modern. He was way ahead of his time. You know, he did stunts like have Peter Davison on This Is Your Life to launch a new season of the show. He really did oh. think about ways of getting publicity for the show. Um, it, it does seem like you, when you're sitting there reflecting about him, that you you miss him dearly.
5: Yeah, yeah. There was um We, we kind of lost touch. Um,
1: of course. Uh,
5: what happens? I got involved with somebody that really... John and he didn't, John and Gary didn't like very much. And actually, in some ways, they were right. I do not need to laugh <laughs> at your misfortune, but jeez. Yeah. yeah, it's just one of my brothers said to me once, Jan, there are some men, some women who should not be allowed to choose their own men, and you are one of them. Oh, dear. To- I, uh, yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when you got the call yeah, to cut. We, we sort of, and to, to cut back to the story, John, so I'd lost contact with John, and and we had a, uh, Sarah Lee, who was um, John's assistant,
0: mm-hmm.
5: and Peter Davison and I had a late night at the Soho House because we we're all members. Fun. Yeah, and we're all there until closing, which would have been about three o'clock in the morning. (laughs) And um, we went back to Sarah's house because that seemed like a good idea. (laughs) And um, we ended up phoning John like it must have been about four o'clock in the morning.
1: Oh, dear. Things that seem like a good idea when you're drunk.
5: Yeah, to tell him we loved him and we missed him. Oh. Anyway, I think we had heard that he was not well right so really should you be phoning somebody like that in the middle of the night but actually he was awake and it wasn't long before he died
1: how amazing so. that you got to do that
5: mm. and I did I did speak to Gary um, not long before he died because he died not that much later than John mm. uh, Couple of years, I think, and he maintained that John used to appear to him from time to time. Okay, yeah, that'd be typical. typical.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, before I let you go, you've obviously come yeah. back to the show last year, yeah. which was amazing. To see Tegan back, uh, tell me. Nice based. <laughs> well, tell me about the phone call when you got asked to go back. What was that
5: like? I got a, an availability check from um, via uh, somebody I know, and um, and I thought about it for all of two seconds, and said <laughs> yes. If I hadn't been, I would have said no if I hadn't been doing the big finishes. Is that right? But because I've been doing, yeah, I think so, because I'm not an actor anymore, but I kept my, you know, I'd gone back and dipped my toe in the water. Mm. Like when I was running women in film and television, when I was, when I was um, an agent, it wasn't appropriate for me to be doing acting work. That would have been really not not on. But after I stopped, I did start doing the big finish stuff, and um, and because I had been doing that, I think I I I was um, I was prepared to to uh, to do the to, to do the special. And what a load of fun that was! It that was, was so much,
1: fun. so much fun. And my favourite moment from that is when Tegan essentially pushes her way into the TARDIS and says something along the lines of, "Yes, I will come in. Thank you very much." And it is my favourite. It was literally my favourite moment from that special because that was the character. That was Tegan Javanka in one sentence, in one moment. She was the same person who left at the end at 1984, 1983 when you recorded it in Resurrection of the Daleks, I think it was.
5: Yeah, she hadn't
1: mellowed. No. <laughs> and they played up to that very well. Now, look, you are coming back to Australia. I mentioned this at the top with the Sirens of Audio podcast for a series of shows in Sydney, Hobart and Brisbane. What can yeah. we expect if we come to these shows? I
5: think you just have to come along and find out. <laughs>
1: Now, I do know the Brisbane one is going to be yeah. moderated by Spencer Howson, who is a presenter here at 4BC, yeah. and, yes, he is. and I know you've uh, worked with him previously, so yeah, I know that he will get every ounce of goodness out of you, and that will be a lot of fun, but I imagine it's going to be a lot of stories, a lot of insights, and a lot of fun.
5: People and 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 chatting to people and finding out what they think and and what have you, yeah. So hanging out.
1: Yeah, it'll be a lot a of, of
5: hanging. Out. Yeah, they're not. None of them are very big. None of them are very big shows. So the whole idea is that they're quite intimate.
1: Yes. Well, I think the one at the Powerhouse in Brisbane is uh, only 150 people they're allowing for, so it is very intimate and designed that yeah. way on purpose. So you do need to get in. Yeah. Sydney will be. Because the- I
5: wanted that. I thought that was more. I thought I'd enjoy it more.
1: Yes. Yeah, I think I think so. So Sydney will be the 1st of April, Hobart the 15th of April, and Brisbane the 23rd of April. You can get tickets at sirensofaudio.com. It sounds like you're here for a full month. You're going to be relaxing in between, are you? I'm here for two months. Oh, wow. That'll be fun.
5: Because, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm seeing my brothers and various family, you know, cousins and what mm-hmm. have you, so... And, and friends, you know, because
1: I've got friends who go way back, so yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I'm doing <laughs> so forward. It'll be terrific. Uh, Janet Fielding, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it.:
5: My pleasure. Thank you.
4: <laughs> oh, as a doctor who fan mug, that would have fun. I, I loved saying. getting to talk to her. Um, dare I say, Rob, as a doctor who fan, that would have been fun? You would have had a great time chatting with because I know that you are such a fan of the Doctor Who universe. I certainly am. A Whovian like none other, dare I say. <laughs> really Thanks, not buddy. sure how to yeah. take that. <laughs> but that is as straight a bat as I can give you while co-opting Robo's statement. What did Robbo say? No, I, I thought you
3: were coming generally and I, I, I just thought, oh, that's really fun. But then he said mulk and then I pulled back.
1: Yeah, and so I took oh. it. R- robo
3: that would have been that awesome. Was, I know how much... Oh. <laughs> Bro, that was fun to interview a doctor. <laughs> that would have been amazing and, and a great interview as well, Rob. Really well done. Um, she She's an absolute legend, obviously, in, in Doctor Who land. And and you love Doctor Who. Um, you know, I loved her. Loved the interview. Loved you. You know, fantastic. Doctor Who. Um, hopefully, that will get, um, you know, uncancelled and put back on the air really, really soon like neighbours.
4: Firstly, if Rob, I could say Doctor Who anymore, I don't know how many times he could. And secondly...
3: Who? <laughs> uh, all right. Now,
1: CBR.com has listed what it believes are the top 10 shows that went downhill in their final seasons. While it's from an American perspective, we thought we'd take a look. And number 10 was True Blood, 2008 to 2014. Number 9, Scrubs, that ran from 2001 to 2010. Number 8, The Vampire Diaries, that went from 09 to 17. Roseanne, okay, which I fully agree with, 1988 to 1996. You'll remember they won the lotto in yeah. their final season. And then in the final episode, a lot of events were a dream. Spoiler. Thanks, Roseanne. We Robin. have lost at number six. It ran from 2004 to 2010. <laughs> oh, that flash
2: sideways
1: crack in the final spoilers. <laughs> again
2: with the spoilers. The last two shows I have not seen. <laughs>
1: Oh, sorry, Abby. And I Yeah, spoilers. you're like
2: the spoiler guy. Isn't this guy? your spoiler policy, Rob? Yeah, you know can't... what?
1: The term flash sideways is not going to kill you.
2: Well, now I know that happens. And I, now I also know they win the lotto in Roseanne.
1: Oh, it was that's laundry. not so much as a spoiler as a warning <laughs> to avoid. Uh, number five is Veronica Mars, 2004 to 2006 and a reboot in 2019. And while the reboot was mostly a welcome revival, according to this website, It disappointed some dedicated Veronica Mars fans um, and destroyed the legacy of the original series. Number four, How I Met Your Mother from 2005 to 2014. Although I answered the question, a lot of people, like myself, thought it went weird with that final episode. Number three, Dexter, 2006 to 2013. The final season of Dexter, well, this site reckons it fell below the bar of the previous season. You know, I always said about Dexter... The final season should have been him being discovered to be a serial killer, arrested and all the friends, family and work colleagues having to deal with the fact they have known, worked with and loved a serial killer. That's one episode though, Rob. No, that's a season. You could totally do... Uh, anyway. Okay. Number two, well, That seventy Show from 98 to 2006. Well, and the big problem with that se- that final season was losing the two main actors, Taffa Grace and Ashton Kutcher. And, of course, number one, Game of Thrones 2011 to 2019 with a finale that destroyed everything that came before it. All right. Abby, mm. can I throw... Another one in there? Sure. House of Cards. Mm. The final Ooh. season I haven't even watched. Oh, well, then because... you probably
2: can't throw it in there.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm just like the rest of the viewing public. We like the show for one thing. Mm. Then because some accusations oh. were thrown, they got rid of the main character.
2: Uh, and well, Some accusations and then were thrown. We're accusations.
1: Here, we'll serve up this tripe, And people yep. went, no, thank you.
2: That's all right. I disagree with game of thrones i know everyone hates the final season of game of thrones i love it i think people seem to struggle with a character arc that isn't in one direction like if Mm. if they don't constantly develop in a linear way people suddenly think they're throwing away the character arc whereas that's just not how humans work and i think that was what a lot of people were criticizing game of thrones for is they were like This character would never do that. And I'm like, well, they actually would. They're just not moving in a linear direction. Anyway, that's a whole other thing. My one that I want to add into that is Glee because (gasps) the final like two or three seasons, in fact, can all be lumped together. Because when the main cast like graduated from high school in the show and they all went off and did their different things, Pretty much, a whole new cast was brought in. They still had the originals having little like side plots, and, and they came back
4: as teachers way too quick.
2: Yeah, they, they <laughs> yeah, but they would come back to the school every now and again for the special things. But it just didn't work. And I think a lot of high school shows have that problem. When they graduate, mm. it loses it completely.
3: Nine hundred two one zero. The college years. Oh. Mm. That's when the show ended. Yeah, but you never got a college. No,
4: no.
2: That's like One Tree Hill did a time jump to prevent the college, and it Place. actually really oh. it really worked.
4: Melrose Place fell apart in the same kind of context. They didn't go to college; mm. it was a bit late for them at that point. I uh, but
3: will not hear <laughs> a bad word said about Robo, Melrose Place. I, I
4: apologise. We found a point of conflict. I, I echo with you, um, Abby, and 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 I put to all of you that I had a bit of a think about why is that the case? Because if we look at ostensibly the first two to five seasons of every one of those shows, you would have said they were some of the buzziest, you know, had the biggest following, lots of people were keen on them and all of those sorts of things. Mm. And then why did they all of a sudden turn on their ass and fail after one, two, or three final, you know, seasons? My my only, my theories are a change in writing or showrunners. Yes. A change in core cast Mm. or Mm. a deviation from source material. Mm. So in all of them, you can wrap it up and go, oh, the showrunner left, a new you know, showrunner came in or a new writing team came in. There was a wholeless, bowlless kind of replacement. Like Scrubs was a great example. They just blew away the cast and a whole new cast came in. And it was mm. like, no one's buying that shit. Um, well, Dawson's Creek, when to back you up, Malk, mm-hmm.
1: when the original creator, I want to say his name was Kevin. Kevin Williamson. Thank you. I don't want to wait. When he left yep. the show. The new team went. Oh, we'll have Pacey and Joey get together. That is literally when I stopped watching. So I didn't even get to the final season because I went.
4: This is not. So much happened, Rob.
1: This is not how they are. And maybe I am linear, Abby. Uh, you know, is that our new? Is that our new woke? When you are throwing it back, <laughs> uh, you are so linear.
4: <laughs> Ooh, I, I will offer. I am with you, Abby. That I agree that that while I will say the final season of Game of Thrones wasn't its best season. Sure. It was, I thought, um, Ben Hoff and Weiss did a really great job bringing that thing home, basically mm-hmm. on a whole bunch of dotted lines that they've gotten out of George R.R. R. Martin yeah. to write that final season. And, and look, I felt satisfied walking away from it. I appreciate that some people didn't. I absolutely reject that Lost is included in that list because what it clearly shows is that the person who created this list or or asked for it or whoever submitted it for the list did not understand that show at all and they deserved to be fired into the sun.
1: Sorry, I understood Lost and I loved the first few seasons but it was very obvious they didn't know where they were going with the show yes, and did. then they were trying to get plot points yeah. back to Easter eggs that they had dropped and and... The hatch is a perfect example of that. They created this whole narrative about a hatch and then didn't Mm -hmm. realize what it was going to be. The smoke monster is exactly the same. They created this great story arc and then didn't know what to do
4: with it. Without dropping a whole bunch of spoilers on us, Rob, I appreciate what you're trying to get at. No, they're not spoilers. If you haven't seen Lost, you don't know what the whatever a that was as And videos. a smoke monster. Mm,
1: yeah. A smoke sure. monster is in the first episode. Mate,
4: okay, I'm great. the one
1: who hates spoilers. I, if I've crossed the line, I'll cop it, <laughs> but I don't think I have.
4: That's right, and I am being a bitch to you, so that's fine. Um I without getting turning this into a lost argument, I understand your position. I, I think that anyone that followed it through right to the end, while yes. I acknowledge that some of the writers might have gone, oh, we'll pitch this idea, we'll we'll wrap it up somehow in season you know, seven, I think it was, or nine, oh, the final season. There was a season. Bible. There was a Bible. There was a there Bible. There was a Bible for a the whole show, for the whole season, Bible. for the they whole series. They built the whole thing around this. They no, did. They, the, what you doing, from, they no, knew no.
1: what the final shot was going to be, and that's <laughs> what they sold it on. Matthew Fox would say, I know how it ends. I predicted how it would end, but it was nothing to do with story it was literally just to do with a shot and what they were going to do because of the story element they used in the opening of many episodes.
3: Well, I will tell you this, though. I'll forget Lost. Loved, I'll tell lost, you this whole conversation is not
4: making it into the episode. No, no, We've gone on ages um, on Lost. You know what though? Um,
3: and it, 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 wait for the comments. We can all have a go at me once I finish the um one, once I finish the the name. Um, this is something that wrapped it up beautifully. Thirty Rock.
4: That's is
3: Easily one of the best ways that they wrapped it up. If you, mm. I've watched it many many times over the se- over the the, the the different seasons and across the series. You should have made um, that your binge the, box the same thing <laughs> it's every week um, the, but it's beautiful especially if you watch in the last series um, they wrap everything up in the most beautiful, amazing way. These, these you know, story arcs have been going over the entire show. But it also wasn't and on the list, It is the one list, of Robert. the most amazing. <laughs> <laughs> oh.
4: It's also not on the list. Oh.
3: Well, I'm just saying that's a good show. <laughs> I do agree. I do agree.
2: I did love the ending It, it wrapped that. up yes.
3: everything beautifully. And the last episode was wonderful.
4: Seinfeld and MASH had the best finales ever. Oh no, no. Oh. I, and I appreciate that they hold some special places into people's hearts. Breaking bad without question. Oh, I love that as well. The finale. Sure. A lot of people hated the Seinfeld finale. Sure. But a lot of people hated the Lost finale, Robin. You didn't even get there.
1: I did get there. Please <laughs> don't. You, you, okay, uh, I apologize. Despite the evidence I keep giving you, <laughs> you're refusing to acknowledge what I'm telling you. Yes. I watched every episode of Lost multiple mm. times. I watched the final season. I understand the final episode, where Uh, they were and what was uh, happening. I just thought it was shit. Okay. That doesn't mean I didn't understand it. And your opinion is welcome and noted. (gasps) Judgment made. (laughs) <laughs> right, let's open the TV binge box and find out what everyone's been watching. Abby, what have you been watching this week?
2: Um, I have finally caught up on Survivor. So I spent the last mm, two weeks excellent. watching it. I watched 17 episodes over the past two weeks. Holy shit. And it has been so good. And I'm just so happy to so finally good. be caught up for the last couple of weeks. That's what I was hoping for. Great. And I'm just, yeah, absolutely loving it as everyone is. And the other thing is last night I watched um, The Hunger Games Catching Fire on Netflix, which I've mm-hmm. obviously seen before. Like, I loved all those books. I loved all those movies and things. But my brother and You were and the I, target
4: demo for those books, Abby.
2: Yeah, exactly. Uh, that was like I was, yeah, I was the person. But my brother and I decided to watch it. The, so Catching Fire is the second one. We decided to watch it mm-hmm. last night. And it's just, oh, it's still so good. This, it's such a good story. It's so powerful. The acting is incredible. Mm. It's just, yeah, amazing.
4: Spoilers: Nobody catches on fire. Well, <laughs> <Yeah>. Abby. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I took your advice, Mulk
1: I have yes. finally started watching Colin from Accounts on Tell and binge. What mm-hmm. a great little show! Mm. Has given me faith in Australian comedy slash drama again. Yes, I think it is absolutely fantastic. Uh,
4: the other I knew one you'd be I... roped in from the first thirty seconds. <laughs> As she walks oh, across the thing, yep. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> <laughs> There's a boob flash. Uh, that's spoilers, Robert. Yeah,
2: spoilers. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, the other one I've been watching, and it's another Australian drama slash comedy, and it's on Amazon Prime Video, and it's called The Class of 07. Great. And I literally binged all eight episodes yep. this week. It's an apocalyptic tale set in Australia, The Waters Rise, and these girls are left at a school. They've gone to a school reunion and they're literally stuck Marooned. Marooned. Marooned, yes. Mm. And I must say, I think it was episode six or seven, I thought got a little bit stupid. But I actually think overall, it was a really great series. Um, really well done. Yep. Uh, answered questions. Didn't gloss over some hard things to explain and actually thought about it, thought about what would be happening and what they could do. Yep. It's really well thought out, really well created. My hat's off. I reckon this is, you know, a, it's a show really worth watching.
3: Yes. It was good until a smoke monster came into
4: it. <laughs> <laughs> <heard the> <laughs> to, to reinforce what I was just going to say to reinforce what you're saying, Rob, I completely agree. Casey Anning, who is the creator, showrunner of of Class of 07, has done a phenomenal job and an almost exclusively female cast – full of incredible actors. So uh, Home and Away fans will know Deborah Lawrence. She pops up in it. Um, Emily Browning uh, and Caitlin Stacey are two of the leads. They do a great, great, great job. And for mine, the standout of the rest of the cast, though there are many great actors, Steph Tisdell, a brilliant uh, Brizzy-based stand-up comedian, or at least was Brizzy-based, Absolutely knocks it out of the park. Steph is hilarious and absolutely smashes her role in Class of 07. Cannot recommend it with you, Rob, highly enough.
1: Uh, I've got to say, Mark, I didn't care that it was an all female cast. Uh, oh, I'm sure, I'm just pointing it, it out, out. It's, it's it a rarity. Just, yeah, sure. But it was just great TV. <laughs> Rob, yep, what have was. you been watching?
3: Um, I've been watching Shameless, uh, the American version on Netflix. Lovely show, really got into it. I think it's a fantastic mm. uh, a, a program. Lots of really good acting and and, and just really I'm loving it. And it's Sorry, one of those Robert, shows was I the was that the u s or u k version. That's the US version. Well and cool. if you think you're going to sneak into my Binge Boss <laughs> like you sneaked into uh, Rob's, you're not doing it because you're already down to one show your there. You're I'm down to one show. <laughs> um, the next one I've been watching uh, is on Paramount Plus, Last King of the Cross. Yep. It's great. I, I love it. The money's um, all on was... the screen, isn't it? Oh, and uh, we, we know that they built that back lot uh, of the King's mm. Cross Street there. Uh, don't they use it? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they, <laughs> e- e- even, if us, even if scenes are not there, um, it, it's there, um, which is great. <laughs> um, I, I was worried that it was going to be cheaper than um, Underbelly because obviously Underbelly is going to be a, a, a bit of source material for the way it's filmed and the way mm. it's shot and the way it's delivered. Um, I'm loving it. Uh, I'm halfway through the season. Well done to everyone involved. It's a great show.
1: Yes. Yeah. Mog, mm. bring us home. What have you been watching?
4: Great. Thanks, Rob. Along with my 17,000 shows, which I'm not allowed to talk about, I acknowledge, <laughs> the two shows I'm going to mention right now. Um, mm. The first one finished up, and so the whole second season, along with the first, is available on stand. and that's the Brian Cranston series, Your Honour. Mm. Uh, it finished uh, on Friday um, in know why and this is the end they're not doing a third season they finished it I think really quite excellently because it opened up a whole bunch of plot points that kind of converged and then you know re kind of diverged uh and it meant that all of the performances rang true it 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 meant that the character development was consistent and and it is just rock solid drama i cannot recommend your honor highly enough particularly if you're a brian cranston or a hope davis fan it's really really good rosie perez features across the second season as well that's stunning drama that's your honor spelled american o n h o n o r um season one season two in full available on stan right now the second one that i wanted to talk about is barely started and that's the second season of perry mason starring matthew reese um, another great, um, really moody, almost LA noir drama, um uh, where Reese plays the titular Mason prior to the Raymond Burr incarnation of, of Perry Mason that many people might recall or, or have seen in endless reruns. Um, so he's really just become a lawyer and has spent some time as a PI and is wrestling with his desire to do good and to help the underdog and those sorts of things, but just knows it comes at great emotional cost for him. And they have come out of the gate in season two because it could sit in this kind of murky underworld in LA and just let it kind of meander along a little bit like it did in season one. They've just gone no, you know the characters. Here's the story. F and get into it. And and uh with the third episode coming, by the time this podcast's out, the third episode will have landed. It's just gobsmacking how easy this is to just go next, next and watch this thing. Season one is currently available entirely on Binge or uh, Foxtel On Demand. Season two is running on Fox Showcase and on Binge right now. That's Perry Mason season two. Love it sick.
1: Thank you very much, Malk. And that brings us to the end of TV Blackbox for another week. I'm Rob McKnight. Thank you, Abby. Thank you, Robbo. Thank you, Malk. Don't forget, for all the latest TV news, go where everyone in the industry gets their news. It's tvblackbox.com.au. We'll see you next
0: week.
4: But I've got three more shows I want to talk about.